into your house and study your word, Lord. Lord, we can sing praises unto you for all you've done for us. Lord, the greatest debt we cannot, that we owed, and you paid it for us, Lord. I pray tonight if there's one here that's not saved, before they leave out these doors, Lord, they'll, be, they'll ask you to, to come in their heart and save them. Lord, just be with the study. Move me out of the way. Let your words and your flow from my mouth the way you want it. In Jesus' name, amen. By introduction, a common name for the Bible is the Word of God. That's a big claim to make. What does it mean? How do we know it's, it's a true statement? Furthermore, if it is true, how does it affect our lives? These are important questions to answer. If we are allowed, if we are to allow the Bible to inform our to inform our worldview, then we must learn more about its origin and be confident we can trust it. Satan has waged a constant attack. Constant attacks on God's word since he tempt, first tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. But it started with him in heaven with God. When he said, I want to be like the most high. I want to sit on the sides of the north. And you can find that in, in Isaiah. Satan has wanted to be God since he was created. He was a created being. He was not forever. In fact, a challenge, a challenge of God's word was the basis of his temptation to Eve. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He started in the garden, the perfect place that God created. They knew no sin at that time. And he got Satan encouraged Eve to doubt God's word. And it carried on. Satan often suggests to us, that the Bible isn't really true, he tells us that we have no means to verify the accuracy of the scripture. Therefore, no need to obey it. History revealed continuing attempts to question God's word. Many of these attempts have weakened the faith of our society. As recently as the 20th century, theological liberalism has slept, swept through Europe and then the United States, drastically changing the landscape of mainline denominations. At the heart of these discussions are changes, discussions and changes were severe challenges to the accuracy of the Bible. By seminaries, theologians, pastors began to question the inspiration of the scripture. A truth we'll define in a moment. This question of scripture continues today due to the pervasive influence of secularism. Many people in Bible preaching churches have been led astray and have accepted false views of God and the Bible. 
Our author wrote, Secularism has desensitized many people sitting in the pews of faithful God-preaching churches, leading them to unwittingly hold even heretical, heretical doctrines. Although we may deny the historical and veracity of the scriptures, they do so without credible reason. Biblical scholar F.F. F. Bruce wrote, the evidence for our New Testament writings is even more greater than the evidence for many writings of classical authors. What he's saying, we take classical authors and their work to be that they write, we put more faith in their writings than we do in God's word. The world has taken people's writings, commentaries, their opinion of what they think the Bible says instead of what God says and do line upon line, precept upon precept when we study the word of God. And they put their thoughts into their that People take that more for doctrine and for the word of God than they do the actual word of God. Yet people still insist on denying the credibility of the Bible. An example, a Christian lady seated next to a skeptic on an airplane was reading her Bible. You don't really believe all that stuff, do you, he questioned. Of course I do, replied the woman. Well, what about that guy who was swallowed by a well? How do you suppose he survived all that time? quipped the unbeliever. The woman responded, she didn't know, but would ask Jonah about it when she got to heaven. <laughs> Not to be outdone, the man sarcastically said, what if he isn't in heaven? To which the woman responded, then you'll be able to ask him. <laughs> Although many people doubt or deny the reliability of the Bible, there are many reasons to trust it. In this lesson, we will study some of the, these reasons so we can be strong in our belief of God and his word. The first one, the reliability of the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Let's break the verse down. The Bible is given by inspiration of God, inspired words, A. God himself is the author of scripture. The Greek word, and I'm not a Greek, so means God breath. That word inspiration means God breath. He breathed it. He spoke it. This definition is parallel in the English phrase, inspiration of God. Our English word, inspire, has multiple definitions. In this case, it, is used, it uses a definition to breathe into. God breathed his word his, into, that, into the Bible we have. Just as God breathed life into Adam and Eve... And they became living souls. God breathed life into his words. It turns these words, in turn, these words give life to all men who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
John 6, 6, chapter 6 and verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, the flesh profit nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, he meant it. Them, were, them was his exact words. I don't know any of us that would be willing to give up one of our kids to pay the price for somebody else's crime. There's nobody in here but God in his infinite wisdom and his love for us did just that. And he gave us that breath of life, eternal life, once we ask him to forgive us of our sins. He breathes that life that even though when we one day lay in the grave and it's our time, he calls us home. It's just the vapor that we have here. We have that eternal life and his word that we're going to spend eternity with him. The Bible is a living book. It produces heart-penetrating conviction. Sometimes that conviction feels like a sword sharply cutting through our hearts and revealing our thoughts. I don't know about you, but sometimes when a pastor's up here preaching, I feel like he's, he's jumping on my toes, stomping on my toes, kicking me. But it's because Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and morals, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you read the Bible, God speaks to you. If you're lost, he's going to speak to you that you need to get saved. After you're saved, he's going to speak to you. If you listen to him, he's going to speak to you how to have a victorious Christian life. The Bible is also incorruptible seed that will never die just as a physical seed produces a plant, then fruit. God's word produces fruit and new life. Many of us can look back. I got saved at nine years old, but I can look at some of the people that got, some of the men that influenced my life got saved in their 30s and 40s. And what they were like before they met Jesus to what they are, what they were after. It's because it produced a new life and they started producing fruit. First Peter 1.23 says, And being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. His word is not corruptible. It's incorruptible. When, when people say, well, I have a new version, they're starting to corrupt God's pure word. When we start changing a dot here, a, a deal, well, I think it would sound better this way. No, you're changing God's breath of word that he breathed to 40-some people. 
over a span of 1,500 years. God said what he said. He didn't need somebody to interpret it for him. So how did God breathe his word into existence? Although God is the author of scripture, he uses human writers to record his word. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but, all, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Second Peter 1.21 While skeptics often claim that the Bible is a just man, is, is just man's opinion because it came through the pens of human writers. This is misleading and even illogical claim. Think about it this way. The Bible was recorded by about 40 human writers from a variety of backgrounds and occupations and was written over 1,500 years. It was penned in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Amazing. And on three continents to boot. Three separate continents. And it covers hundreds of controversial subjects. Yet the entire Bible has a single theme. And complete unity within itself. This can only be achieved if it were inspired by a sole author. No other book... There is no way I, we could get 40 people in this room to come up and put together the Bible. God, through his breath and through them 40 men that he had selected to write the Bible, and none of them wrote their own words. King David... The man after God's own heart says in 2 Samuel 23, 2, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The man after God's own heart said, He spoke into my, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. These people did not write anything down that God didn't tell them to. They, they listened to the Lord God, and he wrote it. There are also New Testament writers who quoted verses from the Old Testament. They claimed those words to be the word of God, revealing they considered the Old Testament to be inspired of Scripture. There is, in fact, over 320 quotations from the Old Testament recorded in the New as well as over a thousand clear and definite references to it. Jesus, in, when he was tempted to 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, when Satan tempted him, what did he answer back Satan with? He answered, it is written. He validated the Old Testament that day in the wilderness when Satan was tipped in him. He validated his word beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was God's word when Satan was tempting him. The three times we know of in the Bible, and each time he says, as it is written, as it is written, as it is written. He was 100% he was God, 100% man in body. 
but he used the written word to rebuke Satan. He used God's word. The Bible is reliable because it has been given by a divine author who spake through human writers. We can trust it to provide the truth and direction we need. Letter B, the inerrant of facts. Looking back to 2 Timothy 3.16, we saw from the beginning of the verse the Bible is given by inspiration of God, but the verse further states the Bible is profitable for significant areas of life. The Bible is unique in that it is inerrant. It literally says nothing that errs from the truth. Although the purpose of the Bible wasn't to record all the historical or teach science where it does state facts regarding history, science, or any other subject, it is without error. Notice a few of the unique aspects of the Bible in relations to fact. It is the only book of antiquity that gives an account of a special creation of all things out of nothing. The Bible is the only ancient book that gives a continuous historical record from the first man to present era. We find accurate descriptions of historical events, people throughout the Bible. The Bible is the only religious book containing details of prophecies of events that at the time of the writing had not yet happened, but which have since been fulfilled. From a history standpoint, it is amazing to see how scripture recounts history, which modern day historians only recently catching up with. For many, many centuries, people questioned the biblical account of people known as the Hittites, as well as King of Babylon, Belshazzar, the one that got found weighed in the balances of God. They couldn't find them. They denied that these people ever existed. They also denied that David ever existed. But it's amazing. In archaeological digs, they find stuff, and they found a people called the Hittites. They found Belshazzar, king. But he really was, he was a, like a third king in the kingdom of Babylon. The archaeologists are constantly trying to catch up. These confirmations thousands of years after the events were recorded should assure us that we can trust the biblical history accuracy even before archaeological catches up to the history. Then in, from the science standpoint, we see the scripture recognized, recorded accurate scientific facts even before they were discovered by man. For instance, it was a common belief of the Middle Ages that the earth was flat. The Bible, however, has always taught otherwise. Isaiah 40, 22 says, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. When Columbus set off in 1492, they told him he was going to fall off the end of the earth because the earth was flat. He proved that the earth was round. How long did it take them to catch up to the fact? 
Sir, long before Sir Isaac Newton discovered gravity and the ramification, God had already told us about the gravitational pull of the earth. Newton simply realized God had what God had previously explained. The, the oceans, the sand and the sea can, is all controlled by gravitation that God created with the moon. The tides are created. Job chapter 26, verse 7. He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. When we didn't realize what the earth was on until we got out into outer space and they looked back from the moon and orbited the earth. Did they realize that the earth is hung on nothing out there? Confirming Job chapter 26 and verse 7. Our knowledge about the earth matters to God. The one who created the earth knows everything about it. And the Bible's voice on history and science, as well as on any other topic, is always accurately recorded. In Solomon, he talked about the springs in the ocean. It wasn't until they started getting these deep sea diving machines that they actually found out there is streams in the bottom of the ocean in the gullies. But here Solomon and even Job talked about it. Again, science catching up to the accuracy of our God. His word is perfect. Infallible truth. Letter C. One of the best showcases for infallible of scripture is found throughout is prophecy and the fulfilling of it. Author Henry Morris wrote, one of the strong objective evidence of biblical inspiration is the phenomenon of fulfilled prophecy. The Bible is unique in its respect among all religious books. While some contain vague forecasts of future events, none of them hold anything comparable to the vast number of specific prophecies given in Scripture which have subsequently been fulfilled. Let's take a look at a clear prophecy surrounding just one event of Jesus' birth. The Bible gave details on the timing, the miraculous nature, and the place of Christ's birth hundreds of years before it ever occurred. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, Know therefore and understand that from the going up forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah of the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Every sequence and spacing of the gears in this prophecy add up to Christ's crucifixion to cut off, but not for himself in this first century. The weeks mentioned here refer to a set of seven. In this case, it refers to a set of seven years. Accuracy. They knew it. The Isaiah prophesied the nature of Christ's birth, that he would be born of a virgin. Our new translations wants to change that to a young woman. 
This day and age, we have many young women, but God had a reason why he said virgin. She knew no man. He, it said here in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The prophet Micah even foretold the exact town of Christ's birth some 750 years before Jesus came. In Micah 5, 2, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratot, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth has been from old, from everlasting. These are just small examples of all the specific Bible prophecy that has been executed exactly as written. In 1947, we seen the nation of Israel come back together, fulfilling another one of God's prophecies in the Bible. They became back a nation after he scattered them. His prophecy, we can find history. We find what he told about the Roman Empire, the fall of it. In the book of Daniel, talked about it. And after each kingdom, and Daniel wrote about these, and they, told, they thought Daniel had lived. They tried to refute Daniel's book, and then they found out it was older than the writings there. Number two, the durability of the Bible. In our text, Paul reminded Timothy that he had known the scriptures since a child. In 2 Timothy 3.15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scripture, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This could only have been true if God had kept them preserved for all generations, just as he promised he would. Psalms 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It amazes me they have tried to destroy this Bible throughout history, tried to destroy God's word. Moses even broke it. And God made him write a new one. It'll stand after I'm long gone. This God's word will still be here. No matter how much you try to destroy it. It says here, his word is settled in heaven. God meant for man to have it. He revealed then. He revealed and then had it preserved in written form. Forever. Furthermore, God made it clear that his words are not going away. Psalms 12, verses 6 through 7. The words of the Lord are pure, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. One of my favorite verses, knowing that I love, is Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever.
I've been alive going on, I'll be celebrating my 63rd birthday here soon, but I have never seen it fail me. I've seen stuff come and go. I've watched flowers, I've watched kingdoms come and collapse in my lifetime. But one thing has stood forever, God's word has stood. I've watched when he said he would, he, you pray for Israel, you bless Israel, he'll take care of you. The day we started turning against Israel and all these people started turning around, our nation became an infidel. Because we started throwing out, we started turning against God's people. In the, in the, six, in the war of 67 against Israel, they still don't know how that war ended. They still don't know how Israel survived. I do, because God said he will protect his people. Amen. The war of 73, they had Israel. They were studying. War. They had went home. They were getting ready to sell a Jew, uh, celebrate a Jewish feast. And they were overrunning Israel. And when it was all said and done, Israel had took back more land than they, they had previously owned. Because God's word, they're his people, his chosen people. We're his by adoption. It not only is it preserved, we can believe the man. And, and I'll leave one last word, First Peter. And this is how I know it. Peter quoting back there. He, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, For all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. The reason I know it's here, I wouldn't be in the pulpit today. Had it not been for God's word, and more so, if it wouldn't have been for two Baptist missionary, little Baptist Sunday school teachers that knocked on my dad's door when he was a boy, and he got saved. And it changed his life. And I watched him live by faith, practicing the living word. I talk a lot about my dad, but he was an example. Men I know that are now went home to heaven. I can mark being staying at their houses in the morning, getting up before they did anything else. They read that Bible. They lived their life by every breath of it. And God blessed them. The manuscripts are preserved. They try to destroy them, but they have, there's manuscripts, copies of these manuscripts are located throughout the world, many of which have been preserved in historical collections. There's one called the PP, P66 Papyrus. It contains most of the Gospel of John and is just one century after the time of the original text. This document dates back from A.D. 200 or earlier. But it, 
identical to what was wrote. There's more and more, you can look them up, there's more and more documents. Cambridge tried to, Cambridge bought up a lot of them in England to hide them from people. The Bible, letter C, is indestructible. Although many tyrants, dictators, rulers, and rebels have attacked and tried to destroy the Bible throughout the entirety of its existence, they have not exceeded. The Bible withstood vicious attacks of its enemies as no other book. Many have tried to burn it, ban it, outlaw it from the days of Roman emperors to present-day communist-dominated countries. Uh, there was a man by the Andrews, Brother Andrews, known as God's smuggler. He smuggled Bibles into Russia when the wall was up. And the neat thing about it was he'd pray, Lord, he, I, read, I read his book. And there was many times he probably should have been caught, but God blinded the people so his word could get behind the Iron Curtain at that time. God will make sure his word gets to the people. He makes sure it's preserved and it's, not, and it's indestructible. We find in 303 AD, the Roman Empire Dulcelene issued an etiquette to stop Christians from worshiping and to destroy the scriptures. Only 25 years later, his successor, Constantine ordered 50 copies of the Bible be made and distributed throughout the empire. One wanted to destroy it, and here, 25 years later, one's having 50 copies made to be distributed throughout the kingdom. The evil plans of one man to destroy the word of God was failed by another who used of God uh, by another who was used of God to create even more copies. William Tyndale translated the Bible in English even as he had run from hostile authorities after he had finally completed an English translation the government bought every single copy up they could and burned them. Rather than viewing this as a setback, Tyndale was grateful because the sales provided enough money to fund and improve translation. He continued translating God's word until he was martyred in 1536. His ministry lived on and his work was one of the main sources used by the King James translators less than 100 years later. They tried to stamp it out and a corrupt king by the name of King James decided he wanted a Bible and God allowed 400, what is it, 400, forget the number of people that got together and that's why we have the King James Bible in the English language today. God promised to preserve his word and was not making it vain and, not, and was not in vain. Even as wicked forces attempted to destroy scripture forever, God thwarted their efforts and used them to further the propagation of scripture. Men and kingdoms have repeatedly toiled to blot out and destroy the Bible, 
but they have never succeeded. The Bible still endures. A man, the Gutenberg Press. It's amazing. That guy, God used it to print Bibles for somebody that would not print the Bible when he died. It was bought up and it was printing the Bibles. Our God is alive and well, and his word is alive and well. And what he says is going to happen, it happens, it's breathed in. Number three, the capability of the Bible. We find the Bible is not only reliable and durable, but it also capable. Looking back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, we see it speaks to every area of our lives with power and truth unlike any other. The Bible is profitable in our lives for one, doctrine. Shows us what is right. Therefore, when we tear down the doctrine, we let anything come into the church. Therefore, when we let we let we forget doctrine and we don't listen to it that God tells us that we should be doing, we let it come into our house. If we let it affect us as personally as Christians, and then it comes into the church, and it starts affecting everybody in the church. That's why doctrine shows us what is right, how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to do. Reproof. Most of us hate getting rebuked or reproofed about something. And that's what that word is, reproof. Shows us where we are wrong. And many times, God has had used, hit me over the head with it like a frying pan to get me, get my mind straight. It shows us where we're wrong. Correction, it shows us how to get right. You have a sin problem, the Bible will show you. Not only will he show you that you're wrong, but he'll also show you how to overcome it. And give you victory in your life. Instruction in righteousness shows us how to stay right. Indeed, the Bible is capable to help us in every area of life. A, the authentic power. The living Bible speaks to our hearts with absolute truth and will always change us for the better. I know a lot of people, well, I don't like reading that section. It's probably because God's talking to them that they need to get something right in their life. There's been many times that I was reading through the Bible. And I come to a certain scripture and I want to bypass it. But it's God poking my heart. You need to stay right here. And sometimes I don't, I got where now I've tried to read the Bible through for the fifth time and I've not made it. Because somewhere he stops me to deal with an issue in my life. That's the living word of God. If you sit up here and you listen to the preaching day in, Sunday in, Wednesday night in, and you walk out the door and you're not changed, there's something wrong. You need a heart checkup. You need a heart checkup. It's the living word. 
Scripture's most foremost purpose is to bring us to Christ. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 1 Peter 1.23. The Bible shows us our need for a Savior and reveals God's plan of salvation to us. Then after we are born again, the Bible reveals the greatness of our God. This is why daily study of God's word is so necessary for every Christian. As we faithfully study the scripture and apply it's truth to our lives. It changes us. It guides us. It strengthens us. It transforms us to the image of Christ. Our whole purpose, our whole being is to be Christ-like. That's what a Christian actually means, Christ-like. That means living your life. Yes, we make mistakes, but he gives us 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. He gives us. We're not perfect. We won't be perfect till the day he comes back and gets us or the day we die and we join him in heaven. But through his, through the word of God and the daily studying of the scripture, and we, the more we stay grounded in God's word and on our knees praying and being in the house of the Lord when the doors are open, the more we're going to be transformed into the image of Christ. And people are going to look at you and they're going to know there's something different about you because of your lifestyle. Not what you're saying, not what you talk about, but how you carry yourself in your workplaces and what you do. It's, you, we can talk, I can quote Bible verse after Bible verse, but if my life don't reflect it, it doesn't mean anything. I can sit with my feet propped up on a chair and read the Bible at work, but if they see me slacking in some other area, all I am is a hypocrite. When we change and transform into the image of Christ, People see Christ in us. They don't see us. They see Christ. And that's what it means. The authentic power, it changes. B, the authoritative principles. The Bible makes no apologies for truth. It presents all principles outlined in the scripture have been established for our own good and benefit, and God states them authoritatively. Those who... Hold the Bible at arm's length, determine for themselves what is profitable for their lives and what is not. And since they place themselves as the authority of the scriptures, they determine what parts they will apply to their life. But God calls us to place ourselves under the authority of the scripture. We are to come to the scripture with a tender heart, recognizing God, not ourselves, as the authority of our lives. That day you got saved, he says, therefore you are bought with the price. Therefore you are not your own anymore. We belong to him. He paid the precious debt on Calvary by shedding his blood. That we may spend eternity with him. As we saw a moment ago, our text mentions four areas of principles through which the word of God profits us. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Doctrine teaches us what to believe. 
It is the measuring stick by which we discern truth from error. Doctrine is the reason we can firmly stand, firm, that firmly state our beliefs, regardless of the change in culture, even the changes in the churches around us. Doctrine. God's doctrine that he breathed into this Bible is the reason we can stand as an independent fundamental Baptist church. What we, what we do believe, what do we believe about the church attendance, marriage, relationship, finance, prayer, honesty? The Bible gives us doctrine to believe and follow for every area of life. When we study and obey Bible doctrine, we gain stability in our lives. James tells us a double-minded double man is unstable in all his ways. You want to get control of your minds and thoughts? Memorize. Read it. Meditate on it day and night. It will help you overcome things in your life that you're having trouble getting victory over. Reproof shows us where we have strayed from truth. The Bible reproves us when its words convict us when we have disobeyed God's instruction to us. Correction is God's mercy to us. The Bible doesn't stop with reproving us. When our kids, I know when I did wrong, I got a belt. I got spanked. Do you not think that correction, he says, if you're not getting corrected about something in your life, you need a heart checkup. You need a heart checkup from the Lord. Because when I misbehaved, my daddy took a spanking to me. And he, he wore a black belt, but he said he didn't get it for karate. And the last time he spanked me, I was, I was 17 years old, teens. I, I was told not to leave the yard. I took off on my motorcycle with my friend. We, I'd been working on his motorcycle. Three miles out, away from the house, his motorcycle broke down. And we pushed that bike. We took turns. He'd ride mine, and I'd help. I'd push his. I got home. I got a spanking, 17 years old, so you're never old enough not to get a spanking. It taught me a valuable lesson at 17 years old. When my daddy said to do something, he meant it, just as the Bible. God says, tells you to do something, you don't do it. He's going to correct you. He's going to get a hold of you. And then the last part is instruction in righteousness gives us the path forward on how to live in a right relationship with God to practically apply the doctrinal truths of God's word to our lives. Let us see the process. The authority of the word of God provides everything we need to know God and live to know God and to live a life that is honoring to him. We see in verse 17 of our text that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We apply it to our lives. The word perfect means to be mature. Spiritual maturity is a process of becoming Christ-like. 
God's word is profitable to bring us to his to this maturity. As we immerse ourselves in God's word and we grow in him and become ready to do the work that he has called us to, we can do it. I told you when we when Bobby resigned to us deacons, I felt so inadequate to lead the church and to keep us together. But because of wise counsel I got from some of the gentlemen in this church and some other places and relying on the Lord and his word, we were able to bring in, he brought Brother Howard in here to stabilize the ship and help me. If it wasn't for Brother Howard and some of the men in the church here, I probably wouldn't have been able and the word of God living in my life to keep the church stable. It wasn't by, it was nothing I'd done. It's all of the Lord's work that's kept us and we have a pastor now because we stayed focused on his word. Nothing we do. In conclusion, the Bible is absolutely reliable, durable, and capable to help us in every area of our life. We must build our lives upon the doctrines and the truth. Within the covers of one single book, the Bible, are all the answers to all the problems that we face today. If only we would read and believe. And that was Ronald Reagan. Quoted that. The Bible is, in fact, the very word of God. When you need answers, go to the word of God. When you need, when you see imaginable, inimaginable, unimaginable chaos on news, have a heavy heart for a friend or are struggling in your own life, focus your heart on God's truth. Culture's confusion and our own emotions do not lead us to a true worldview. We must allow God to direct us through his perfect word. All other counsel will fade away and ultimately break down. Keep going back again and again to the reliable guidance of God's word. As he said, the grass fadeth, the flower, the grass fadeth and the flower withereth away, but his word stands forever. As we close and go into the time of prayer, um, if you have a prayer request, please hold it up and Brother Wilhelm will get it.